welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I'd like to welcome you to Lunatic Monday's Lunes Lunaticos, the very first bilingual show for CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. And today I have an author that I am really excited about, and I cannot wait until we start talking about cleansings. But anyway, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. His name is Brandon Weston. He's from Fayetteville, Arkansas. He's a healer, writer, and folklorist who owns and operates Ozark Healing Traditions, an online collective of articles, lectures, and workshops focusing on the Ozark Mountain region. As a practicing folk healer, his work with clients includes everything from spiritual cleanses to house blessings. He comes from a long line of Ozark Hill folk and is also a folk herbalist, yarb doctor, and power doctor. For more information, you can visit www.ozarkhealing.com. And God, I hate reading because it just thickens my accent so much. Ah, good thing I'm done. Uh, hi, Brandon. Welcome Hello. to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. So, um, I, I cannot wait until we start talking about uh, people healing and blessings and house blessings and oh, blessings, yeah. you know, because I started doing that so, so young. But this show is not about me. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the show is about you. And I really would like to know, how do you start on this path? What brought you into practical magic? practices you know yeah it's a a long story but i'll try to keep it short <laughs> um really i i guess it started probably in childhood i mean i think a lot of magical practitioners probably have that same exact story i grew up out in the woods i grew up in a pretty rural area um so during the summers i was always outside playing in the woods i was always picking plants and talking to trees and seeing fairies and you know all that good stuff and so i didn't really think anything about it just because my family being from the ozarks you know i grew up with a lot of stories it's a big storytelling culture um, lots of stories about, you know, spirits and ghosts and magical practitioners and all of this other stuff. And so I kind of grew up immersed in the folklore, in the storytelling and all of that. So I didn't really think anything was weird until I got to college and I discovered some of the work of earlier folklorists um, who had collected stories and folk practices and stuff like that from the Ozarks. And then I started thinking, well, okay, maybe my family wasn't, wasn't doing something that all families do. <laughs> you know, maybe it was a little bit different. So from there, I, I really wanted to know where these practices were today. Are they still around? Are there still healers out here? Are there still people working with these traditions that, you know, folklorists talked about in the 1910s and 1920s? And so I started collecting from my family. I started, you know, recording all the stories I kind of grew up with and anything that anybody would tell me pretty much. And then I really wanted to move out from there. I wanted to travel around the Ozarks and just sort of anybody that was willing to talk to me, I wanted to collect home remedies and magical practices and all of the weird stuff and all of the cool stories. So that's what I did. I just sort of traveled around. And so for a couple of years, I wasn't even a practitioner. I've, I've, you know, even when I was in college, I had a lot of interest in witchcraft and folk magic and stuff like that, but I never really considered myself to be a practitioner necessarily. Um, but I, as I, you know, started getting to know practitioners in the Ozarks and healers, um, a few people who now I count as my teachers and mentors, they really identified within me the gift, the power. 
Um, and a part of that process was just, you know, sitting down with them and them saying, hey, you know, why are you talking like you're not a part of this? You, you, you have an interest in this and there's a reason you have an interest in it. And the reason is that you have a connection to this magic. You have a connection to these practices. So everything sort of changed at that point. I started, you know, collecting things, not for a, you know, a museum exhibit or anything like that. I started collecting practices that I would be able to put into practice in my own life. I started working with uh, modern healers in the Ozarks and, you know, healers in the spirit world and all this other stuff and just sort of grew and developed from there. And so now I'm in, at a position where I can actually be able to put into practice the things that I learned and the things that I've collected and put it into practice for, you know, anybody, you know, in my bio, it says everything from, you know, curing little ills to house blessings to all everything in between. And really it is everything in between. <laughs> so right now my practice is, you know, I like to tell people that I do magical consultations and that's that's a really traditional way of working in the Ozarks where you sit down at a kitchen table with somebody and you just say what's wrong yep. <laughs> and then you know there are things that we can you know rituals that we might develop together or practices or I might do a reading or you know a, another diagnosis method to see kind of what's going on but yeah that's that's the way I work these days is as just the sort of if you want a, a ritual built if you have a problem I could maybe help you out <laughs> that so is wonderful. I think I've always kind of had a connection to this this magic um but you know I, i'm i'm constantly finding new and interesting things about the practice and more and more comes out you know the more you the more you in, engage with the practice the more pops up yeah yeah i believe so and in my experience you know being mexican from mexico growing up there with the magic with the folk magic with the traditions with the you know the, the folk tales and the healing and all that and it happens exactly as you describe you know you sit on the kitchen table and like, what's, what's going on? Like, you know, how can we help? Uh, for those who don't know, and I was just looking up right now, obviously my um, limited understanding of the United States, right? Sometimes like geographically, because I'm very familiar with the Appalachian mountains because my sister lived in North Carolina for a long, okay. long time, but the Ozarks are a completely different body of mountains and they are, uh, closer or are, is there considered midwest still yeah it's it's always kind of a joke in the ozarks because we aren't quite the midwest we aren't quite the south <laughs> we're kind of stuck in between um and most of the the mountain region is in missouri and then northwest arkansas and over into northeastern oklahoma and then southeastern kansas just a little bit yeah. and I like to call it sort of an island region because if you know, like all of the land around the Ozarks is flat, you know, we have the Delta with the Mississippi and swampland and flat Oz or flat Oklahoma, flat Kansas. And so, you know, it's this sort of mountain island that is very surprising if you, if you ever drive through this region, um, you know, it'll be flat, flat, flat. And then all of a sudden you'll see these like green hills sort of just rising up out. And it's, it is very much like Appalachia. Um, Ozark people came from Appalachia. Um, so they were Appalachian families that moved across the Mississippi into the Ozarks after the forced removal of the Osage from the region around 1810. Um, and so the land was opened up by the U.S. government after the removal of the Osage. And the people that were crazy enough to come here were Appalachian people. They were already used to the mountains. They were already used to the landscape and what it meant to fight, uh, you know, for survival in that sort of landscape. So Ozark culture is still considered a part of the greater Appalachian cultural region. And so there's a lot of similarities culturally between our groups. Thank you so much for uh, teaching me all that because I was 
seriously very uh wary of i hope i didn't offend brandon by mentioning <laughs> this but because i can see the similarities in something that um has happened um you know people ask me like why do i do podcasts i'm like so i can learn <laughs> you know because i learn directly from the authors and i also of course read the books and all that but it's so interesting to see the similarities because when I have interviewed magnificent authors from the Appalachian Mountains, I can see our kinship with the Mexican folk magic. There is so much of it that overlaps and whether it comes from nature itself or it comes from a cross-cultural exchange because obviously uh, a those regions were Mexico before they were anything else and B our people both collective your people my people they used to travel and they used to share this knowledge so it was not such thing as borders and separations right. that's all new BS but anywho so you, you go out and you start interviewing family friends and folks never better said <laughs> on the region how open or how difficult was it to penetrate those circles it was pretty hard in the beginning it was easier with my family because they knew me they knew who I am but Ozark people especially the old timers like the older generations they're still very closed off and you know if you even if you are from a bigger town but still in the Ozarks they consider you a foreigner like an outsider even though you're still in the Ozarks so there were in a lot of cases you know people were always very nice and very willing to talk um, there were a few cases where I really had to identify where my family was from. So my, I'm a multi-generational Ozarker. So I could say, oh, my family was from this town next to this town. And so they knew then that I had a connection to the culture and a connection to the land. And a lot of that is because, you know, for a very long time, you know, it was a big sort of tourist industry to go out and look at the hillbillies and things like that. Um, so the culture is still very protective, very, very closed off in a lot of respects. But what I did find is that a lot of the practitioners and healers that I met were willing to talk to me because in a lot of cases they didn't have anyone else in their life to talk to mm. and that's kind of a sad thing to come across this idea that you know the younger generations tend to not be interested in this stuff as much I think that's changing um, I find more and more people you know millennials in my generation and then Gen Z are getting really into this stuff again folk magic witchcraft stuff like that so I think that you know we have a really good opportunity to learn from our elders right now but when I was going out collecting stuff you know it, it still hadn't gotten there yet and so in a lot of cases the people I talked to were so excited just to talk to anybody but I did learn, you know, especially with the older folks, um, because they tend to be a little bit more conservative, I really had to change the way I talk about this stuff. So I couldn't say magic. I couldn't say witchcraft, anything like that. I could say things like, you know, healing. Do you, do you know anybody that knows things or has the gift or has the sight, the second sight? things like that. Um, and that usually got me some very interesting results. There are, of course, modern practitioners, even older generation modern practitioners who are perfectly willing to call themselves witches and things like that. Um, and a lot of those people were really interesting to study with. But with the old timers, I really had to know how to switch my language because they talk in terms of you know, the gift coming from God and God alone. They talk about, you know, using the Bible a lot and things like that. And they might weave into that lots of other practices that aren't biblical, of course. Mm -hmm. They might sort of incorporate that stuff, but it's all under that sort of umbrella of faith. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to change the way you start talking about things. There were a couple interviews that I did early, early on where the interview just stopped as soon as I made the mistake of saying something about magic or witchcraft, because then it, you know, that brings up a lot for people. Yeah. A lot of cases, healers like this have in the past 
you know, been accused of witchcraft and stuff like that. And so they, they don't want to associate with it. They don't want to, they don't want people to think that they are doing harm to other people. And so that's completely understandable. So I made sure to talk in a way that was appropriate. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, at least in Mexico, you know, stems from persecution from the Catholic church in particular, uh, because in Mexico, same when you go to like the hill towns of full people uh you can't use the word witch you can use especially the word pagan yeah you know like for indigenous people and folk people that is still practice using the word pagan or paganism or pagan practices or magic practices is like oh no 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 because that was a huge part of persecution uh from catholics who will persecute uh, the hill folk in, in the Ozarks would it be like the Christian church or yeah so around here culturally it's been mostly Protestant Christianity um, from you know southern Germany we have lots of uh, southern German people and a lot of those people were you know came to America fleeing persecution themselves um and so yeah what ended up happening and it's really interesting in the Ozarks because traditionally hill folk have been very spiritual but not necessarily religious and the sort of religious conservatism has only really popped up in the past 70 years so it's not even a traditional part of who we are but I mean it's kind of worked itself into the culture at this point mm -hmm. but yeah I mean it would definitely be you know the local you know preacher <laughs> talking against witchcraft and things like that and a lot of the healers I met still were very protective of their work most of them even you know even though they may not have had religious beliefs necessarily they were very pious they went to church all the time because you have to keep up that image yeah, um, so that people don't suspect you of anything. Yeah. So I'm glad to say that that is sort of changing um, mm -hmm. as people are, become more connected to each other. That is thankfully changing, but it is it features pretty heavily as a part of that old traditional culture in the Ozarks. How do you identify? Do you like to use healer or witch or pagan or which one resonates with with Brandon? I actually switch back and forth because language is one of those things that's always so important to me. So it really depends on the crowd that I'm talking to. If I'm talking to witches, I usually say witch because that carries with it a lot of correspondences. You know, it, it, people know what you mean when you talk about witchcraft in those circles. If I'm just talking to sort of groups and I don't really know the vibe of the group, I'll say spiritual healer because people kind of, you know, understand that and are intrigued by it. Um, you know, if it's people that have more of a connection to spiritism, spiritismo, things like that, I'll use medium, spiritual medium, things like that, because that is a part of the work that I do. So I kind of, you know, and healers have always been fluid like that, you know, it depends on who you're talking to, you know, so you might be the, the crone out in the woods, you might be the witch, you might be the healer, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, I like using spiritual healer. There are also terms and in, in my bio, I've got a few of them, uh, old terms that for traditional healers around here that you don't really hear very much, um, but I'm trying to sort of get them to make a comeback. So power doctors um, originally were people that worked with charms and prayers and could make amulets and things like that. They were ritualists, so they worked with a lot of ritual um, they were the real sort of magical practitioners in the town. Uh, yarb doctor. So yarb in Ozark dialect is a medicinal plant. And it actually, it has really interesting origins. People have traced it back to British dialect um, of a certain certain counties in Britain. But people have also tra traced it to like yerbera, yerberia, like uh, herb from Spanish too. Um, so no one quite knows how yarb came into the Ozarks, but 
it's another one of those so yarb doctors were the herbalists of the town so they um knew everything about the plants they knew about herbal preparations things like that um so i count myself as both the the sort of magical healer spiritual healer as well as the sort of herb plant based healer as well yeah and you know i am convinced because most of the people that are of latin descent latinx latino mexico central and south america uh come to the united states region you yeah my audience know this is coming yes i'm gonna say it how the hell are we immigrants in our own land i do not know but that is a completely different show but a lot of the people that come from Mexico, particularly to the United States uh, geopolitical region of the United States, uh, they ended up in the mountains. They end up in the mountains. So I've heard about APA Latinos, you know, the Latino people in the Appalachian. I wouldn't be surprised if they are also Latinos or... Uh, oh, yeah, there absolutely is. So where I grew up, just north of where I'm living right now, um, ever since since probably about the 70s 80s and i suspect even farther back there's been a huge latinx population there i'm so excited a few years ago just before the pandemic we got our first botanica here and i'm very excited so yeah no there the culture is is here now and i've met old timers in the hills who knew about curanderas and curanderos around and parteras like the, mas the massages and stuff yeah. and so they've yeah this culture has definitely been here for for yeah. a long time yeah. so and, and there and it's very interesting there's so many crossovers with practices and stuff like that it is it is fascinating it is very rich to see a kin right because you and I don't look anything alike, right? I am a very, very dark shade of brown and you are quite the opposite. And yet culturally, I think we meld so well because I've never heard anybody else on the neo-pagan pagan, pagan uh, community call a spiritual consultation, spiritual consultation. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's one of the services that I offer. You know, if you go to my website, it says, you know, spiritual consultation. And people ask me, what is that? And I'm like, yeah, we basically sit in my kitchen and talk. And then <laughs> we find ways and design and get exactly what you said. Yeah. So it is quite uh, pleasing to me, really, to, to know that this is alive and well. It has been way before you and I existed, because it's as old as the mountains. Yeah. But that there is certain for lack of a better word reclaiming mm -hmm. of united states cultural magic because a lot of uh the neo-paganism or, or eurocentric paganism that you know kind of opened the door like in the 70s and 80s with all this like hippie new age whatever but people like yourself bringing this ancient practices of the united states region mountains into modern day call it what you will healing magic brujeria witchcraft paganism whatever um i really appreciate your presence in this planet and you bringing these books to life and to uh also i think white culture in the united states will benefit from decolonizing their own magic absolutely from absolutely. european magic you know because this is granted people who are descendants of the first uh settlers but they did their own thing and they did it their own way yeah, absolutely. And yeah, this comes up a lot in my classes that I that I do. And especially since the books have come out, it's come up, up quite a bit. And I always tell people that, you know, even in my own practice, I like to look back to my European ancestors for, you know, what they did to, to incorporate stuff into the practices today. But especially with the Ozarks, 
you know, these practices were European practices that were brought to the new world and then altered and evolved through the lens of people working with new world plants and cultures. In a lot of cases, the hill folk that came from Appalachia to the Ozarks came here because they were fleeing persecution because they were mixed race and they didn't want to stay in Appalachia. So I always tell people that, yes, the basis of this practice is predominantly European, but these were Europeans that were viewing everything through a new world lens. And we have to, we have to talk about culture blending. We have to talk about family blending. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, most cases, I would say it, it really wasn't a sort of take and grab culture that we see in a lot of new age practices today. Um, it, a lot of it was very deep sharing and so that's one of those areas that I love looking at the cross-cultural practices, but I like looking at where, you know, Europeans got a lot of stuff from indigenous practices and African practices, but what did Europeans also give back to the people that they were getting things from? Because there was a lot of those exchanges as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, we... You know, it's interesting to go back to European sources, but we aren't Europeans, you know, uh, and we are, I am so far removed from my ancestral homelands that, you know, my, my the spirits I work with, the guides that I have, things like that are born from this land now. So that's something that we have to address. We have to address, you know, how we are able to right a lot of the wrongs of the past and learn from those mistakes make the connections we need to make, but how are we able to respect our own spirit-led practices today as well? Yeah, exactly. And I will always say my little phrase, the cure, the difference between appreciation and appropriation is education. And when you walk on the Ozarks and have to carry your family tree and have learned how to speak to the folk and the ill, that is education. So you've done, in my opinion, your homework and then some, you know, and, and thank you for bringing these books to life. So you originally wrote Ulcer Folk Magic that came mm -hmm. out a few years ago. Uh, last then, year. Yeah, 2021. And then this year you came out with Ulcer Mountains Spell Book. Yes. What is the difference between the books and why did you have to write a second companions say complimentary book it's such a big area to talk about I really had to break it into at least two books and that's kind of it's helped me really drive home the point with people that uh, our practices on the outside may seem very simplistic but there's so much going on underneath the surface that you probably will just never see if you're working with a healer or magical practitioner so the first book ozark folk magic i really set up as the foundation you know it's building from the worldview of traditional healers versus neo-traditionalist healers. You know, what do we have in common? What have we added to the practices in the past 50 years that really work and help evolve the, the traditional stuff? It goes really a lot into the magical correspondences. Uh, Ozarkers are obsessed with magical timing and auspiciousness. So everything healers do is oriented to the moon phases, to the zodiac moon signs, the days of the week, all of this stuff. And so as a part of the magical considerations section, I go a lot into magical timing, as well as, you know, di traditional diagnosis methods, because there are a lot of those. How do you figure out what sort of illness a person has or magical illness somebody has? Uh, we I talk a lot about divination, things like that. And then you know, the second half of the first book is really going into common items that are used in the practice, as well as common plants that are used, and then some suggestions about how you can incorporate those things into your practice. The second book is really the practice manual. 
Um, that's how I describe it. The first book is the foundation. You need the foundation. And then the second book is really the practice manual. And the, I originally planned on having them together and it was just going to be way too much. <laughs> so it really feels nice having them separate because if you are a seasoned practitioner in the Ozarks or elsewhere and you kind of just want to incorporate in Ozark practices, maybe honoring your ancestors who were Ozarkers or whatever it might be, you can really pick up the second book, dive into it, get into the practice stuff. And then my hope is that it, you know, spurs interest and then people will pick up the first book. Um, and then, you know, people that are just starting off on the path, I recommend the first book first and then the second book, just to be sure that you kind of understand that sort of foundation. Because the Ozarks, I mean, we have very unique, I would think, wor worldviews surrounding magic and healing and things like that. Um, and so it's really good to be able to look into the actual like foundational practices there. Mm -hmm. And even with the with the book, the one that I have, which is the Alistair Mountain Spell Book, uh, you did a great job, in my opinion, with the uh, introduction and correspondences and all that. So if you don't have the two books and kind of want to get your feet wet and I love there are certain things Brandon that I think they're given there are certain things that I would like to believe there are common sense but there is no such thing and I love <laughs> in this day and age of instant gratification you a millennial will understand this Gen X are really going I'm, I'm going elder on you <laughs> I don't mean to um Instant gratification, Twitter, TikTok, etc. You know, come on, boys and girls and people. Uh, common sense, please. I mean, you cannot just jump both feet. I love that you even tell people, like, read the spell first. Yeah. A couple <laughs> of times before you get into it. Because, you know, the younger generation, yes, we have. Uh, I mean, I love technology. Don't get me wrong. I'm the number one. My whole uh, ministry has been online, you know, uh, basically most of it. So I love technology, but these things take time and they take preparation. And, and I love how you, uh, first of all, get us in, you take us into the Ozarks, both feet forward with the tale of the witch, per, pardon me, the healer, because uh, she was not a witch. But then um, you give us this detail step by step of how to do magic, how to use the correspondences, how to go one on one. And then I don't want to give out the whole book, obviously, but you you uh, separate it into categories for spells, right? So the good fortune and good luck, love and relationships, magical cleanses. We're going to talk about that. Uh, protection, retribution. Yes. Dreaming and divination. How in the world were you able to actually divide them by category? I mean, how long did that take you? I think that would take me my whole life. I, I think my brain just sort of works that way. I'm Every time I collect stuff, I always categorize it. And it's, it's kind of hard to do sometimes because in the Ozarks, a lot of times people would have a very limited amount of rituals, but they would use those rituals or, or verbal charms or prayers or whatever it might be. They would use those things for a lot of different purposes. So depending on how they like work it or during the, you know, what phase of the moon they do it in things like that, it might change the meaning of the spell. I, I really wanted to separate out categories like that, because I think, me growing up, like if I found a spell book, I was just always on spell books, like at garage sales and bookstores and stuff. And one of the things that always really helped me was being able to go to the exact category that I was feeling that day. And so being able to, you know, or like, you know, the, the Zodiac moon sign of the day is you know, a Venus sign. So maybe we're going to work some love today or something like that. Uh, so I really wanted people to be able to really engage with the different categories of magic, the traditional categories of magic, and sort of be able to incorporate those into their own individual practice. So that, you know, and I even say this in the book, 
you know, if you don't do retribution work, then you don't even have to consider the chapter, you know, you can skip over it. Um, if you don't like to do healing work for people, you know, you can skip over that healing and cleansing chapter. And so I really wanted to categorize it in that way so that people could, you know, really identify with which chapter most, I guess, is most appropriate to their own personal practice. Or if you're like me and you love all of it, <laughs> you can consider all of it and uh, really be able to quickly go through the book, uh, depending on what sort of spell you're wanting to work in the day. Mm -hmm. And of course, I have my two cents of retribution magic. Yeah. I respect everybody and if you you know abide by the wicked reading really and the triple law and your whole that you do you woo. I think uh I think Brandon that the four most magical words are you do you boo. I mean you do you <laughs> I love you, that you do what works for you. But we cannot forget that magic is an act of resistance and the magic is an act of reclaiming power and that retribution magic is it retribution is different from being vindictive or being just uh a-hole that's not what Absolutely. we're talking about we're talking about when it's needed a reparation and a retribution absolutely and and is the healer and is the witch who is gonna act on it yeah, and in most cases, at least from an Ozark perspective, you know, these retribution works are most of the time reactionary to the vindictive, harmful stuff. That's why it's retribution. It is, you know, and the, the resistance I get, it tends to come from more religiously minded people who you know whether that is very strict wiccan or very strict christian you know they they are very often both very anti-curse anti-retribution things like that but i always tell them that you know i've met so many praying grandmas who knew verses in the bible to heal but they knew verses in the bible to you know get back at the slanderer in town or their enemies things like that to turn a hex and send it back i mean if you just read through the psalms which are used throughout ozark folk magic the psalms i mean there are retribution psalms in there you know turn you know throw your fiery arrows at my enemies that sort of stuff and so you know, it is a part of this practice because, you know, for the most part, traditional healers view themselves as an extension of nature and nature takes and nature gives. And so the healer gives and the healer takes. And so that doesn't mean that a healer is going to just go out and hurt people. I think that that crosses a line. Um, but I will say 90% of the healers I met in the Ozarks had some form of retribution work, whether it was, you know, I am cleansing off this hex and now I am sending this hex back to the one that sent it. That's retribution work, you know? Um, so it can be the sort of soft retribution or the hard retribution, which is like the rituals in this book. Some of them are, you know, making an effigy of your enemy and burning it on coals, that sort of thing, which is a little bit hard retribution, but sometimes that's needed. And I kind of go into that in the book, you know, when curse work, when retribution work might be a needed part of life in order to maintain the equilibrium of everybody within the community. And the equilibrium hangs on who is suffering in the community. And if people are suffering in the community, then some act needs to be done to bring it back to equilibrium. And sometimes that is retribution work yeah um, absolutely. yeah so it's an important part of the practice and i think you know like as you say and as you stated in the book if it's not for you it's not for you skip over uh, that yeah, chapter absolutely but as a feminist which which i am you know and and i practice empowering magic uh you bet i've done a thing or two about retribution but anyway that's not the laura show it's the brandon show i love 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 and i really want to pick your brain about cleansings because i've heard about 
energy balance and chakra balance and all this new age nonsense did i say that? all this new age practice practices but i have yet to see a person in the united states calling it what it is which is an energy cleansing and i love to have this in your book so i'm gonna take you back tell me about your first energy cleansing how do you learn how to do it the i mean my first experience was receiving the cleansing i think it was a really eye-opening experience for me because i had been ex I, you know i'd been exposed to other you know new age cleansing sort of practices and things like that but i'd never really encountered folk magic it amongst the folk like actually going out and sitting at somebody's kitchen table and getting a cleanse at the table and the first one I did was from a very old Ozark lady who gave me an egg cleanse which is another crossover there with Gurinderismo and she gave me an egg cleanse and she swept me with a broom um, and it wasn't a special broom. It was a broom leaning up in the corner of her kitchen and it wasn't a special egg. It was a kitchen, you know, an egg from her fridge. <laughs> and so that was my first sort of like eye-opening moment. And then after, after that, I was like, well, I have to learn more about this. And that is, uh, again, going back to something I said earlier, this idea that from the outside, it seems very simple, but underneath it is very complicated. And in the Ozarks, you know, we, you talked about chakra healing and, and energy heal or cleansing, rebalancing, things like that. In the Ozarks, we have elemental and zodiac rebalancing. And so everything is oriented to what's called the man of signs or the zodiac man. And it's the human figure, not just men, everyone. It's sort of one of those things that we really need to reterm, but <laughs> the zodiac person. Uh, every part of the body is ruled by a zodiac sign from Aries at the head to Pisces at the feet. And as a part of a traditional diagnosis sec session, you know, the illness or the hex or whatever it might be is located within the body. And that part of the body is out of balance. And so any work that is done is aimed at rebalancing the zodiac sign that is corresponding to that part of the body. And cleanses are usually the first line of work for traditional healers. Everyone sort of has their specialty that they do. I really like doing egg cleanses and broom cleanses uh, and herbal bundle broom cleanses, which is another traditional Ozark thing and another huge crossover there with Gurindrismo. Um, and so those are, those are my first go-to. So if somebody is, comes to me and says, I don't know what's wrong. I just know something's wrong. We'll do a cleanse. I, I might not even necessarily do a diagnosis first. We'll just do a cleanse just to kind of clear the air. And then, you know, after that, traditional healers will often do divination or, you know, they may read the egg yolk and things like that in order to locate exactly what's going on where. And then they might do additional rituals. So as far as like cleansing goes, one of the big ones is washing. So using baths, uh, going down to the river or the creek and washing in the water there, sometimes with herbs, sometimes without. Um, that's usually a very important part of the cleansing process. But it is all based upon what you sort of initially find as a part of that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so I said everything is about elemental balancing and zodiac balancing. So the element side of this, you know, based upon divination and diagnosis, you know, the illness may be a fire illness, or it may be a curse that was that was made in fire. And so water has to be involved in order to counter that, or it may be an earth hex. And so you bring in air to counter that, things like that. And so in the Ozarks, everything as a part of the healing, the cleansing process, apart from the sort of initial cleanses, everything is geared towards countering or tonifying certain zodiac signs or elements or complementing those signs to get the body back into equilibrium is really the, the point of all of it. And so I always tell people there's, you know, there's really no one quick fix. I do have some things that I go to no matter who is around me, you know, prayers, verbal charms, Bible verses, things like that are used as those sort of quick addressing the situations um but then there's all sorts of other complicated cleansing and things all the fun stuff is in the all background 
isn't it amazing how we overlap so many things because mm -hmm. you're talking about the egg obviously uh mexico you talk about the broom right mm -hmm. we do that with the escobetilla which is not the same but it's the same and then the herb bundle that is that comes from the indigenous people of mexico i mean i'm not saying the ulcer practice come from there but in mexico that practice comes from the indigenous people of you know what was mesoamerica back then um and to see how we have you know again we don't know if it comes from the earth itself mm -hmm. the knowledge and the idea of doing this uh, but i'm about to blow your mind uh on the new mexica teachings you know the the kind of reclaim uh there is this theory that they are parts of the body related to specific birds and these birds mythologically carry specific qualities characteristics and attributions so you know you can have your macaw you can have your quetzal you can have your eagle you can have you know uh the um what is the one that the, the parrot you know <laughs> and these birds carry different medicine within the body and it's not equal but very similar to that balance that you were talking about. So it is just amazing. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Look at the time, Brandon. Uh, I cannot believe this is this is how quickly the time has gone. I need to ask you one question. I'm not going to let you go without asking you that question. I need you to tell me at least one of the weird, funny, peculiar, spooky things that happened while you were recollecting and doing your interviews on the mountains you gotta have at least a bunch of them give me the 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 funkiest one the funniest one well i mean the weirdest one for me so uh there's an illness a folk illness in the ozarks it has connections to southern root work conjure and hoodoo um, it's called live things so l-i-v-e things and the symptoms of live things are it's the sensation of crawling insects underneath your skin and it is a it's a, it's derived from a really powerful curse where basically you have at some point consumed animal parts that then grow into animals inside of your body and so in the ozarks it's a really really powerful magical illness it encompasses a lot of very debilitating symptoms and wasting in the body and things like that and the folk cure for that is always purging purgatives um, and usually emetics vomiting um, sometimes laxatives, but mostly you've got to like throw it all up. And the idea is that you throw up all that cursing material. And then there's heavy, heavy amounts of washing and cleansing and things like that. And then more purges and stuff. So I observed this process with this, with this healer that I was working with. And he had a client who had live things. And up until that point, I had heard about it by, uh, you know, other channels but i was like oh it's kind of a folk illness like you probably don't see that anymore no he had a patient who had this curse and so i was in the room his like practice room as he was praying over this person and the person was purging and they started violently purging into this bucket and so then you know he he did another like herb cleanse and an egg cleanse and the bucket was never moved. It was always in plain sight. It came in in plain sight. I saw it as the patient was moved to the bed to rest. He showed me the bucket and it was full of snakes and vomit. And <laughs> that, it freaked me out because I had never really experienced anything like that per se. I had experienced people like uh, sometimes healers will suck out bones or arrowheads and things from out of people's bodies that are like curses. Um, but I'd never experienced the snakes in the bucket. And to this day, that was the freakiest thing I had ever seen. And a lot of times people are like, oh, well, did I mean he slipped the snakes in the bucket? And I'm like, are you telling me that he had snake that many snakes like in his sleeves to be able to like put them in the bucket? No. <laughs> 
And so it's unexplainable. At, and uh, the, pa the patient was cured um, and everything was great. So whether or not he was using some sleight of hand, the patient got what the patient needed to get out of the situation. And that's what I tell people too a lot of times. Like trickery is a very powerful thing if you know what you're doing. In Europe, the healer, like in Britain, healers are often called cunning folk because they're clever, because they're cunning. They're able to figure out a situation. Okay. So trickery isn't necessarily something that is opposite of the magical process in a lot of cases. No. But that was the weirdest thing I've seen. And I've seen a lot of weird things in the USR. So <laughs> that is awesome. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So time has come to an end. I cannot believe it. Uh, so we are basically going into fall season, right? Uh, do you have any plans for after today? Do you have any presentations, classes? Where where can we find you? So I'm doing another virtual class series this fall. Um, so I have five classes that are going to be a part of that series. And all of the information for those classes are on my website, ozarkhealing.com as well as tickets and all of that for them. I started doing the virtual classes in 2020 and have loved doing them. And so I, I'm keeping keeping on with that. And the topics that are covered are all so interesting. It's little bites of Ozark folk magic. It's not big introductions, but I think it, they have a lot that people will get, I, I think, be able to identify with and get a lot out of them. So I'm doing a intro, sort of a basics of Ozark folk magic class, and then I'm doing a class on Ozark folk magic for mental well-being. Um, so all of the good cleanses and things like that to help keep our mental well-being and mental equilibrium. I'm doing a class on the spirit world. Um, it's a continuation class from a one I did one I did in the spring. So this one's about exorcism and elevation. So we're going to be talking about ghosts and spirits and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, one of the classes that I'm really excited about, a lot of people were asking for it. I'm going to do a class on urban folk magic because so much of folk magic today is you know you have to be out in the wilderness and that's not how I was taught um so one of my teachers gave me a very good quote for the class um town is in nature too and I think that that is very important even if you're in an urban landscape you are still a part of nature so all of those classes are on the website and you can find more information across my social media as well Awesome. Thank you so much for coming to the show. I know um, I was on Brandon. I don't know if I'm going to play a song or not, but I know exactly which song I'm going to play. Uh, and it comes from a folk teller, a folk keeper, our very own Celia Farron. And if you, I hope you ever heard of her, Brandon. The song is called uh, The Crone Collects Bones. And it's perfect for today's show so uh wait to listen for the song at the end of the show uh brandon thank you so much for being here it has been very cool to to get to know you and to read the book obviously osark mountain spell book it's out already you can find it where you whatever you find your books um and you can find it obviously on llewellyn and you can also find the Osirk folk magic, if you want to go deeper into understanding everything Osirk. And thank you so much for being on the show. I leave you the microphones so you can say goodbye to your audience tonight. Right. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I encourage anybody that is a part of the Ozarks that's wanting to reclaim this, this practice, you are welcome to this, as well as anybody that is just interested in folk magic, whether you are a seasoned practitioner or just starting out, you can find something to identify with in this book. I get asked the question a lot, is this a closed tradition? And it's not. This is, I, I always tell people that this is not a cultural inheritance. This is a human inheritance. And so this is, this is a part of our human history our human dna as well so i welcome you to the ozarks and i welcome you to all of these practices of course go to the open practices leave the closed ones alone yeah that is that is perfect thank you so much everybody for being here just a quick reminder uh we have over 900 over 900 hours of podcasts available on csmp the circle sanctuary network podcast you have 
circle uh, talk with Deborah Rose. You have um, Blue Marble with Charlotte Bear. You have Nature Mystic and Nature Spirituality with Selena Fox. You have Paganos of Mundo, the second bilingual show for CSMP with collaborators from Spain, Argentina, Brazil, and the United States and is in Spanish and Portuguese. So if you know of pagan folk or magical folk that speak uh, speak Portuguese or Spanish, send them to Paganos del Mundo, Pagans of the World, PDM for short. And of course we have Lunatic Mondays, Lunes Lunaticos and Spanish on the first Monday of the month and the rest in English with yours truly, Laura Gonzalez. So thank you all for watching. I mean, yeah, okay, Laura. Thank you all for listening, whether you're listening live or listening later. And until we meet again, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. You are listening to Lunatic Mondays, building bridges of community around the world. We'll continue with more. Don't go anywhere.